grace of God, there's nothing like being grateful, you know. As we started to sing that saying, thank you, you know, my son, he's, you know, he's young, you know, he's three years old and, you know, three-year-olds, sometimes 30-year-olds forget to say thank you. You know, you give someone something and you forget to say thank you. And I think one of the marks of Christianity for our hearts has to be that we are thankful to our God and that we can just say thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for us. Amen. Glory to God. If you would open your Bibles with me to the book of 1 Thessalonians, we are continuing in our end time encouragement series. We are in chapter 2 at the end, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, and we'll begin reading in verse 17. When you got that, say so. All right. It's a little light, so I'm going to wait a moment. Let the rest of us get there. Amen. 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 17. When you got it, say so. That sounds better. But we, brethren, having been taken away from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored more eagerly to see your face with great desire. Therefore, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown or rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of God, of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For you, for you are our glory and joy. Therefore, when we could no longer endure it, we thought it good to be left in Athens alone and sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith that no one should be shaken by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. For, in fact, we told you before when we were with you that we would suffer tribulation just as it happened, and you know. For this reason, when I could no longer endure it, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter had tempted you, and our labor might be in vain. But now that Timothy has come to us from you, and brought us good news of your faith and love, and that you always have good remembrance of us, greatly desiring to see us as we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, in all our affliction and distress, we, are, we were comforted concerning you by your faith. For now we live if you stand in the Lord. For what thanks can we render to God for you for all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before our God night and day, praying exceedingly that we may see your face and perfect what is lacking in your faith. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your kindness and your mercy toward us. Thank you for being a good, loving, and gracious, gracious king. Lord God, we just submit to you this morning, Lord, thanking you for your presence, thanking you for the love that you remind us of, for the grace that you remind us of. And we pray, Spirit of God, that you would speak to our hearts this day, that you would open our ears, that we will hear what you are saying to your church. I pray that you would build our faith in you in a great way and that you would empower us to be livers and doers of your word. We want to glorify you, God, and we pray this all in Jesus' good name. And everyone said, Amen. you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. If you do not have an outline, will you just raise your hand and hold it up, please? so the ushers can get you one. We want to make sure that everyone has an outline. There's a few things inside of the outline that are important. We went over them last week talking about what's your next steps. Um, that's very important. If you weren't here last week, don't read it while I'm preaching. Amen. Amen. All right. Uh, but read it, you know, at, at your leisure. Make sure that you take it to heart considering what your next steps are. The reason why I like for everyone to have these outlines is because you can follow along with me in the beginning of the sermon for the intro. There's some questions in there for you to answer, and you can, also, um, you can also take some notes. There's some space in there for you to take notes. I think it's important for you when you sit down and you hear the Word of God that you don't just hear it, but that you write it down sometimes, that you put some things on paper, and that way you can remember. You can bring them to your remembrance later on. And then the last reason is because my prayer is that we would be a disciple-making church that we would be a church that makes disciples. And so one of the things that is so difficult sometimes is how is it that we make disciples? And the beauty of this is that when you are sitting there and you are hearing the word of God, you can simply connect with someone in your week and you can make a time to go over the sermon that you're hearing on Sunday and we provide you with the ability to do that. And so 
I encourage you to take some notes to do that. I see all the hands are down, and so we'll continue on in our series. We are in the third part of our series, End Time Encouragement. And the title of the message this morning is Compelled by Love. And so when, when you look at the beginning of this here, we are living in an hour in which we see the words of Jesus found in the book of Matthew 24, 12. Because sin will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Do you hear that? Because sin will abound, the love of many will grow cold. It's funny because as I was, as I was typing up the sermon and, and the outline, I thought of this scripture, which is, you know, verse 12 and that whole thing. And Jesus, if you don't know this, in the gospel of Matthew there, Jesus is speaking about the end days. He's speaking about the days in which we live. And it's funny because verse 11 says this, that there will be false prophets in those days. And, and, and what I notice is that there's a correlation between false prophets or people who are speaking falsely on behalf of God and the rising up of sin. Are you getting this? You see, when people are saying, and, and, and I, I was reading, I think it was Helen, Helen Strack's post, I believe it was. As I was reading her post, she, she posted something about praying for our nation. And when people get up, especially behind pulpits, especially with titles, especially waving the Bible, especially quoting scripture. And they begin to say, based on this Bible, that what God says is evil is outdated and somebody messed up in their interpretation of that. When people start getting up and communicating things like that, they start tickling the ears of the hearers and ultimately in our days, the nation. And what happens is sin begins to abound. Why? Because all of a sudden you've been listening to some fake preacher. Hello, somebody. You've been listening to someone who may be a politician who quotes a Bible scripture and says, for this reason, my position on certain things has changed. And I want you to know something. I don't care what anybody says. If they are communicating something from the Bible that doesn't align with all of the Bible, there's a problem. You see, because we have people in our days that they want, listen, I want you to know this. You and I are sinful folks. Hello, somebody. You know, what, what, what you, what you want to hear is you want to hear it's okay for you to live how you want to live. That's what you want to hear. Whether, whether you believe it or not, whether, there is something inside of you that wants to hear it's okay for you to not pray. It's okay for you to not read your Bible. It's okay for you not to give toward the things of God. It's okay for you not to serve. It's okay for you to just come to church and sit down. And See, those are the things that your flesh wants to hear. And when someone you respect gets up and says, hey, it's okay, and they quote a little scripture here, that's called proof texting. Hello. You know what that means, right? That means they use a text to prove their point. Hello. That's what they do. They're not going in the context of the scriptures. And so what I noticed was Jesus prophesies about these days. And he says that in these last days, there's going to be false prophets. And with false prophets, that's false teaching. There are, there, there are false ideologies that are out there in the name of Christ. I mean, there are so many church splits that are going on over sin. Are you hearing me? No, yeah, yeah. Over sin. Why would the church split over sin? You know what the Bible says to do with people who are unrepentant of their sin? Kick them out. Well, that's too mean, Bishop. No, no, no. The Bible says you go to that one one time, one-on-one, -on -one, let them know, hey, man, you're in sin. I'm calling you to repentance. The next thing you do, you go to that person. If they're unwilling to repent, you go to them with a couple of witnesses. Hey, man, the Bible says that your lifestyle, that your practice is sinful, and so you cannot live like this and call yourself a Christian. And, and, and if they still don't repent, at that point, you bring them right up here. Hello. The whole church doesn't divide and say, well, I think that they might be okay. No, no, no. The whole church has the counsel of Scripture, not their opinions, not their emotions, not what pop psychology says. The whole church says, brother or sister, your lifestyle is sinful. You must repent of that sin. And if they choose not to sin, the Scripture says, this is Matthew chapter 18, by the way, if they choose not to, if they choose not to turn from their sin, then it says to do what? It says to remove them and to, and to treat them like what? Like a heathen. Why do you do that? Because God doesn't want anyone to think they're saved when they're not. The most loving thing you can do is correct someone when they are in error. Are you hearing me? The most loving thing. It's not sit back. It's, it's, it's not just relax. It is correct them 
So that way they know what they are doing is wrong so they don't think that it's okay. I, was, I loved it. The other day, um, I, was, I was reading some other post on Facebook, and I don't know, that must have been like the parenting day. I don't know, I guess it was parents' day on Facebook. And there was one post on there that was a mom. She was sitting down. This was hilarious. I mean, this mom was saying, I should have just brought the video for you. But anyway, some of y'all probably already seen this. But it was a mom. She was sitting down. She had a bowl of ice cream. No, not a, uh, she had a, a thing of ice cream, a tub of ice cream. And she's sitting down there, and she's eating ice cream, and she was basically saying, she was like, you know what? She said, I am called to be a parent, not my child's friend. And she's sitting there eating the ice cream and everything like that. She was dumping wine in the ice cream. I mean, she was just adding all kinds of stuff to the ice cream. I'm like, this is insane. But she was going through this whole thing. She's like, you know what? My kids right now, they're mad at me. And she's like, and I don't care. They, you know, it's about building this respect within them. And then Leticia, she posts something else. She, she was talking about parenting and, you know, raising up godly people, raising up children that fear the Lord. And listen, y'all, we cannot do that. If we are not standing upon the same council of the same scriptures. And so we as a church shouldn't be dividing over stuff. Jesus said sin would abound. And because sin abound, the love of many will, 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 will wax cold in the King James Version or grow cold. In other words, what happens is because there is so much sin, that's the reason why we're seeing the stuff that we're seeing. You know, we see all this stuff all over the place, right? There, there, there are these arguments that are going on on Facebook. This racial tension is intense right now, right? And if you're a person of color, I want you to notice I am. Hello. Now, I am not black, right? I'm, I'm Puerto Rican. Hello. I mean, there's black in me somewhere. I don't know. But anyway, right? But I will tell you this. Growing up, everyone thought I was black. Hello. They, and, and when I preach sometimes, be like, you're, you're, you're not black. Yeah, I'm, well, anyway. But here's the thing. The point is, I get confused with black all the time, so it's all right with me. You know, I went to a black church and preached. I said, that, that light-skinned brother, he could preach. Hello, somebody. <laughs> so so, so that, that, that's like, I don't know. But anyway, the point of the matter is, you have, you have people that are Christian that are on one side of this pendulum over here. And they are just like, they, listen, they're adding fuel to the fire of the racial tension that is here rather than being an answer to the problem. I got quiet. We're posting stuff from people that don't have the heart. One post, they had all of these actors, somebody posted. All these actors and singers and entertainers, they were all black, and they were, you know, they were talking about stuff, and they were calling on President Obama. President Obama cannot fix the problem. No president can fix the problem. They are not the savior. Are you here? There's no law that can be changed, right? And, and if they do, then they're going to start infringing on people's rights. Hello, somebody. The issue is a sin issue. We're sitting in our prayer circle today. We hear of, of, we had two petitions this morning as we're praying. One petition, a young man, 15 years old, he goes back home. He's, he's outside getting groceries out of the car or something like that. Someone drives by this kid and shoots him like how many times? Seven times. Seven times shot this kid, like hit almost every major organ in him. For no reason. We hear another petition. Minister Jamie um, begins, he's in tears as he's sharing this petition of, of parents who brought a babysitter into their home. And the babysitter threw their baby against the wall and killed him. Listen, it's more than just, you know, I, I was on, on Facebook, hello, right? And so I hear, you know, I, I see the, the, the videos of, of, of the guy. And listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this, and some of y'all are not going to like this. I have friends that are black. I have friends that are white. I have friends that are cops. And I want you to know something, that not every single person in any of those areas is bad. Are you hearing me? And we need to stop blanketing everyone and just throwing them in. Everybody's bad because that is wrong, Right? Like what they did in Dallas, you know, a few weeks ago in the name of anger and speaking up, that was wrong. Hello. That wasn't right. And then I see a video that someone posts, and it's, and it's a white guy. This, this is a literal, literal situation. A white guy who's walking in a parking lot. I posted it. Nobody even commented on it. Hello. They comment on everything else. They didn't comment on this one. White guys walking in the parking lot. There's, there's a mob of black people that are there, right? And what happens is that they show this. The white guy goes like this. Please know he showed just like that. And they whooped this dude, tore his clothes off of him. Hey, they're just speaking up in anger, right? See, what I want you to realize is that the issue in your outline, the church is the answer to the sin problems of our day. And when I say the church, I mean you and I mean me. It's us going out there, having real conversations. Stop living. You know what? I, I, we, we like live behind memes. Hello. 
We didn't even communicate anymore. I was, la- I was laughing the other day because now the, the, the iPhone, you know, the new, the, the 10, the update is there. And so they have all these memes, you know. And I'm like, I automatically go to a meme to try to comment now because, you know, Pastor Aldo and Pastor Chad, they're like the meme kings. Hello. <laughs> and I'm like too slow for that stuff. And so I'm just still with like the, ar- it's archaic, the LOL. Hello. Right. <laughs> or the sanctified version, LMBO. Hello, somebody. Right. <laughs> Right, that's sanctified. Amen. Glory to God. But, but nonetheless, right, the reality is that, you know, we, we, don't, we don't even communicate anymore. And we listen to the wrong narratives all the time. But you know what narrative we need to look at? The one in the scriptures. Jesus promised this. Because right after this verse, verse 13, you know what it says? Matthew chapter 24, verse 13, you know what it says? It says, but he that endures to the end shall be saved. It's about us enduring in the midst of these hard times, in the midst of these difficult times. You see, looking at your second, second paragraph here, as we look to the model church, we talked about that of the Thessalonians and the model ministry of Paul that was last week, we are encouraged to imitate them amidst diversity within the church. There should be diversity. There's different groups of people here, different types of people from different places, amidst um, division within the culture that is obvious and amidst devastation on the horizon. Can I tell you something? I'm not a gloom and doom kind of guy. I'm a realist, and what I realize is this, is that if there is not real repentance in this nation there is devastation coming to this nation I don't want to make you feel like everything's going to be all right tomorrow because it may not you know there was a few weeks there that we that we didn't hear about any kind of um you know a terrorist attacks but there was a couple of weeks ago that we were like every like less than 72 hours there was a new terrorist attack that was coming out all over the place nobody wanted to call it terrorist attacks but you know anyway so we're still investigating that amen amen come on with your investigations But the reality is that there is a problem. And as a church, you know what we can do? We can say, God, I want to be your voice piece. I want want to be your man. I want to be your woman in the midst of this culture. You know where that begins, church? That begins by being unified here. And you know how we unify? Let me explain to you where unity comes from in the body of Christ. It comes from the word of God. It comes from the spirit of God. It comes from the love of God. It is rooted in the gospel. The reason why you and I are in this room today is because of one, and that is Jesus Christ who died for our sins. It is because of Jesus Christ who laid his life down for every sinner it is Jesus it is because of him who gives us the opportunity to come into a relationship with faith and that's the only reason why you and I are in the same room if it wasn't for that that is the common ground that brings us together and what we need to do church we need to come back and say God we want to be people of the book we want to be people that are given to this word no matter who it offends and so last paragraph here the church is the hope of the culture because Jesus called us the light of the world did you hear me It isn't, I want you to get this. Jesus is the light of the world. But when he's speaking to his disciples, he says, you are the light of the world. Nobody covers what? Uh, You know, covers a a lamp, right? And and, and covers it up. No, you are supposed to be the light that shines in the midst of this earth. You are supposed to be the salt of the earth. That's what the Bible says. And so we are the light of this world, according to Jesus, because he lives in us, because his spirit lives in us and illuminates us. And he has empowered us with the most powerful light, or he has endowed us with the most powerful light of all, the love of God revealed in the gospel that must overwhelm our hearts and move us into the mission before us. Here's what I want you to get. And I posted this on Facebook anyway. I got like seven likes. You know, I have a lot more friends than seven, right? And, and, you know, some things I post, I get like 150 likes. And I, and I don't really care about the likes for the sake of likes. You know, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not into all that. It's because I watch what people like. And, it, and when you post something controversial like this, you know, when you talk about, listen, especially when we are in the midst of this racial tension time, please, church, please don't buy in to the false narrative that's out there. Don't deny the reality. Listen, I'm not black. My son is. Are you hearing me? And I fear for my son. I fe- Listen, I fear for him. But you want to know what I will never do? I will never poison my son's mind with any kind of racial bias or anything like that. I will teach my son to be respectful, to be honorable, especially to those in authority. Are you hearing me? I will teach him to be respectful. And, hey, I'm, my, my son's not going to be no wimp either. Hello, somebody. 
I'm just saying, I'm going to teach him some BJJ. You thought I was going to to beat him. No, I didn't say that. I'm going I'm to take him to get, he, my, my son is going to be able to defend himself. My son will know when to stand up and all that stuff. But I'm not going to fill him with that racial tension there. And I'm not going to fill him with fear. I'm going to teach him to be wise. I was talking to a young man, 17, 18 years old, his similar situation. He was adopted by a white family. He's black. And me and his dad were sitting there talking. And as we're talking, I was telling him when one of the shootings happened the other day, I said, young man, I said, this is the thing you got to understand. You need to know when you need to keep your hands hands up on the steering wheel. Hello. You need to know when you need to not talk back to the police. Hello, somebody. You need to not walk around with a chip on your shoulder because I saw, and let me say it like this. I saw a white guy the other day. I wanted to jump through the camera and punch him in the face. I'm just telling you right now because he was being such a jerk to the cop and it was intentional. Like he was intentionally trying to agitate this police officer. Why do you do that? Because I'm going to tell you something. When you go through something, guess who you're going to want at your front door helping you out? Those cops that you hate. I'm just saying. And so teaching our kids how to act right, and no, and no, no situation is perfect, okay? And, 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 I, and I am not trying to be up here an advocate and say, hey, none of these police officers did anything wrong. That's a lie to. Are you hearing me? What I'm saying is, as a church, what do we do about stuff like that? Well, first of all, we walk in unity together. That's the first thing we do. The second thing is, when we comment on stuff, listen, it's okay just to not comment. Are you here? It's okay to just pray about stuff in a prayer closet. It's okay not to communicate. And it's, it's definitely okay not to just feed the fuel of the racism in our, in our culture. Are you all right with that? I think that that's the way that we need to do that as a church. And we need to be a light that's there who stand for what is right when right is right and stand against what's wrong when it's wrong. Hello. A big idea this morning as, as, as we're going through this is this love moves us beyond ourselves into the lives of others. The title of the message is Compelled by Love. And when we're looking at the Apostle Paul, he was moved. There was something that was moving his heart. And the reason why we don't give into the false narratives that are there, the reason why we don't buy into the biases that are there, and listen, I don't want to ignore things that are real, but the reason why we don't jump on one side or the other, in my post I said this, I said, look, you need to make sure as a Christian you're on the right side of this, and I want you to know that that has nothing to do with the color of your skin. One of the things that I hated, and, I, and I'll say this, when I, was, when I was younger growing up, I, I don't see it so much now. I'm not really paying attention too much for it anyway. But when I was younger, you know, when you got your first car as a Puerto Rican, like the first thing you wanted to do is put up your Puerto Rican flag. Hello, somebody. <laughs> and your car was like this high from the ground, and you were banging with your little system and all that kind of stuff, and you were just waving that Puerto Rican flag. Can I tell you something? Can I tell you something? I, I, as a, first of all, I, I didn't have a car before I was a Christian. So my first car was after I became a Christian. It was like this high from the ground. Hello, somebody. That's just how I bought it. I didn't put it like that, but I, I, I put it. But, but can I tell you something? I never, ever had a Puerto Rican flag in my car. You want to know why? Because I'm a Christian before I'm a Puerto Rican. Are you hearing me? I, love, I, I told you this story before. I thought it was the funniest thing. One day my daughter, we were talking to my daughter, it was years ago, and we're having a conversation with her when she got a little bit older, and she was, you know, we were talking about, you know, telling her, hey, you're Puerto Rican. And she's like, no, I'm a Christian. I'm like, no, no, baby, you're a Puerto Rican. And she's like, no, 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 I'm a Christian. I'm like, babe, let me explain this to you. And, that, and for me, that was a beautiful thing because it wasn't about the, you know, Puerto Rican pride. And, and anyway, I'm going to just leave it there. I'm going to just leave it right there, all right? I have nothing. I have no issue. But you know what? Can I tell you one of the reasons why I stepped out and started Faith Dome? I started Faith Dome so we could be a multicultural church. Are you hearing me? I, I, I didn't want to be one, you know, one nationality or something like that. I wanted to be able to be there for every nationality that wanted to come under the banner of Jesus and bring us together because that is what the book of Ephesians says, right? It says that that wall of division between Jew and Gentile was broken down. Can I tell you something? That wall of division between black and white was broken down. That wall of division between Puerto Rican and Dominican was broken down. That wall of division between Mexican. Oh, y'all didn't think I was going to say that? We're the most racist of all. We don't even like our own kind. Hello, somebody. Like, you Puerto Rican, you all that. You Dominican, and you, you know, it's crazy stuff, man. Crazy stuff. I had one of my best friends, right, that was, he was, he was, um, and, and when I first got saved, he was Dominican. And for me, I'm telling you right now, even before when, when I was like not a Christian, I wasn't into that whole Puerto Rican pride kind of stuff, right? But the thing was, my friend, he was a, he was a Dominican guy. And I remember one day he was like, yeah, I know you Puerto Ricans are like Dominicans. I'm like, what are you talking about? I didn't know because for me, I wasn't, that, that wasn't how I was. But the reality is, we need to be those who say, you know what, God, we want to bring unity and we want to be the example of unity, and we can start within our own race. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. It's important. Let me say it like this. 
Some Puerto Ricans, you don't like dark Puerto Ricans. Hello. I've heard stories straight up, stories of Puerto Ricans. You were dark and you were like outcasts in your family. Anyway, I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to leave it Let's get back to this. So the first thing I'm going to ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, love must move us towards others despite opposition. Love must move us towards others despite opposition. Glory to God. I haven't even started this message yet. Amen. <laughs> love must move us towards others in opposition. E- even in the midst of opposition. I-, I love this. Let's read verses 17 to 20 real quick. And it says here, it says, But we, brethren, having been taken away from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored more eagerly to see your face with great desire. Therefore, we want to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us. Now, 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 Paul, every time I read that, it's like, that doesn't belong there. Like, how can Satan hinder anything? And yet the Apostle Paul, he says, Satan hindered us. Satan hindered us from something. There was opposition to what was in Paul's heart. Verse 19 says, for what is our hope or joy or crown or rejoicing? Is it not even you in in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For you are our glory and joy. And so the first thing we realize when we talk about being moved by love is love must move us toward others despite opposition. If there is one thing the enemy does is he tries to hinder the work or the workers of God. Are you here? If there's one thing that he does, he wants to hinder. I've said this before. Satan doesn't care about us necessarily coming into the house of the Lord. He doesn't necessarily care so much about us getting together. You know what he cares about? He cares about how we are when we scatter. He cares that we do not move beyond this place. He wants us to have these beautiful, just like this morning. I mean, just, I mean, y'all felt that, man, the presence of God in such a beautiful, tangible way as we began thanking him for his grace. And you know what? And, and, and I mean, the enemy doesn't want that either. So, you know, that's why there's arguments on the way to church. Hello? That's why there's di- difficulties in different areas. I mean, you know, sound guys believe there's a sound demon. Hello? <laughs> amen, amen. Right? Sound guys got to be the most spiritual. You don't realize this, but they have to be the most spiritual because those demons, it's like you walk out of a rehearsal, you walk out of a sound check, everything was perfect. All of a sudden, you're getting feedback, stuff is sounding crazy, and you're like, oh my goodness, it's it's, it's a sound demon. Hello. (laughs) I'm just kidding, but nonetheless... It's something, but, you know, ultimately, the reality is that we have this opposition that is there. And you know what? When I talk about this racial divide, can I tell you something? That is something that the enemy wants to do to keep us out of each other's lives. Are you here? When we, when we deal with the, that is a work of the enemy to hinder us from loving the way that we're supposed to. And so Paul says here, he's communicating, and, and, and what, he, what, what he's saying is, he, is, he says, I, I love this in verse 17, he says, but we brethren having been taken away from you. That word taken away there is a word that literally means to, 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 to when, when someone is removed, like a parent being removed, someone is made an orphan. That's what it is. It's like, he's like, man, you, you, it was like you guys became orphans in the physical, but not in, not in my heart. He's almost exaggerating the point because he wants them to know how much love he has for them. He wants them to know how much he cares for them and lets them know, listen, I wanted to come and be with you. I wanted to be in your presence, but the enemy hindered me. Satan hindered me from accomplishing, and we don't know because Paul doesn't tell us how Satan hindered. But here's what we do know, church, is that what we do know is that the enemy opposes us, and there is something that is spiritual warfare, and we need to be engaged in that. Are you here? Because there's sometimes in our lives that we think, and, and when you look at this word hindered, it's like someone broke up the road. That's what that word, that's the picture that that word gives us. And so he's saying, listen, my heart was to be with you. My desire is to be with you. My desire is to see you. Look what he says at the end. He says, what is our glory? What is our joy? What is our rejoicing, right? He's talking about the things that move him in a positive way. You know what they were? wasn't big building, wasn't nice cars, wasn't a big house. We're going to talk about that next, but you know what he says? He says, it is you and the presence of the Lord Jesus at his coming. Paul's thing, 
Paul's heart was that he would see these people before Christ. While the enemy works to oppose the work of disciple making, we must be moved by the love of God towards others with a great concern for their eternal standing before God. Are you hearing me? We have to, while the enemy is coming against us, right, hindering, breaking up the road, what happens to us, I don't know about you, but how many of y'all like to ride on roads that are all broke up? My mother, my, 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 mother, my wife and I, we went to Puerto Rico, and, um, and, and my wife, I love driving in Puerto Rico, I just want to say that for the record, because Puerto Ricans drive crazy in Puerto Rico, and I'm cool with that. Like, you know, you're not going to get shot in Puerto Rico for cutting someone off and stuff like that. Like, here you might, Hello. I'm serious, like, like Puerto Ricans, they're all cutting each other off, so they don't care. There's like, no, like, they don't own the road. They're like, I'm in my car, you just stay away from my car, and we're going to be good to go, right? So I love driving over there. My wife, on the other hand, hates it. One of the things she hates more than anything else is she hates the fact that the roads have no lines. <clears throat> That's intentional because they're like, they don't line there. I don't know where I'm supposed to be. Like, I'm making my own lane, glory to God, right? But she doesn't like that. You know, the other day, um, I, you know, I, I, I didn't tell you all this, but I actually started um, doing this Uber driving thing. And, um, you know, and so I do that as a part-time deal. So um, the other day I was driving in, in like park, like, like around Park Avenue and stuff like that. And let me tell you, those, I couldn't live on those kind of roads. I, I just could not. They, it is the most terrible thing. You know, those, those roads, like those pavers, they're good to park on, not drive on. Hello. Those roads are terrible, right? And so you know what we do? We try to find alternate routes so we don't have to ride on broken up roads, right? That's in the natural. Is it any different spiritually? Is it any different spiritually? When things are hard, I love what one preacher said. He said, you know what? He said, God doesn't show us everything that we're going to go through because if he did, we wouldn't go that way. Did you get that? He didn't show, if he said, hey, you're going to go through this, you're going to go through that, you're going to experience heartache, you're going to experience discouragement, you're going to experience letdowns, and you're going to be, um, if, he, if he told you all that stuff, you're going to go through sickness, you're going to go through all, you'd be like, nah, man, I'm not going that way. Nope, nope, nope. We get in the midst of it. We get, listen, when I do premarital counseling, listen, listen, anyone who's thinking about marriage, come and sit with me. I will sober you up right quick. I don't want to discourage you from marriage. I want you to count the cost of marriage. Hello. I want you to know, don't think that it's just a sex fest. Hello. I said it. Don't, don't think that it's just a, y'all, y'all, listen, that, that, that's what some people think. That's what I thought. I'm just saying. Like, that's what some people think. And I was a Christian, saved, filled with the Holy Ghost. I told y'all, my mother-in-law, we're sitting down at the table talking about the wedding. And I said, Martha, I do not care about the wedding. I only care about the honeymoon. Amen. <laughs> And I was being respectful to my mother-in-law. Amen. Glory to God. But nonetheless, ultimately, that, listen, it's not just, marriage is not just some walk in the park. Sometimes it's a walk on some thorny roses. Hello. Y'all got that. Sometimes it's difficult. But can I tell you something? When you walk through those hardships and those trials, you experience something that is amazing on the other side. And if you would have never walked through it, you would never be able to experience it. It's just a reality. But the truth is, no matter what it is, we don't want to go that way. And so when the enemy comes, you know what he does? He just makes the road difficult. He makes the road difficult, and he wants to see why you are moving in the direction you are. This is why, church, listen to me. It is so important that we are moved by the gospel. You know why? Because when I am moved by the gospel and all that I do, when things get difficult, my motivation wasn't the ease of the ride. It was the one who died on the cross for me. The motivation for me to continue to press on when things are uncomfortable, when things call for sacrifice. You know what? I've been in ministry. We just celebrated 14 years here. I was a youth pastor for three, so that would be 17. Probably for, you know, a few more years before that, I was teaching and preaching and doing different stuff. And can I tell you something? This is not an easy ride. You know, I've had people, and and, um, nobody in this building right now, amen. I always have to say that because, you know, people be thinking I'm talking about you. I'm not. But there are people who have sat down, and this is it, not because things got difficult. This, this is their, their words. Their words were, man, this is, this is like a job now. Who told you it was anything different? You just thought it was just going to be fun, and you was going to just do backflips, and it was going to be like, you know, Pocahontas or something like that. I don't know what you thought. It was going to be some kind of musical, right? Just like, you know, one of those, you know, move, move. I, I don't know. I don't know what people think, right? 
But life, right? Life is difficult, right? I just use, I don't know why I said Pocahontas, but you know, I just, you know, just I thought of the singing and you know, all the musical and everything's just wonderful, right? But 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 ultimately, ministry is difficult. <laughs> All right, can we move on? Can we move on? Let's move forward. Let's fast forward, y'all. Let's fast forward past Pocahontas. We need to edit Pocahontas out of the message, all right? <laughs> Glory to God. Let me use Mary Poppins. Amen. We'll we, we use Mary Poppins, all right? Is that worse? Is it worse? Ultimately, life is not a musical, glory to God, all right? Ministry is not a musical, right? It's, it, it, look, there's glorious moments that are there. But you know what? When you look at any ministry, if you're going to be a preacher, guess what it's going to take? It's going to take time away from the television. Hello. It's going to take time away from family time that you're going to want to be hanging out with the family because you are going to need to be on your face before God. You're going to have to have your face in the book seeking God. You're going to have to pursue him. If you're going to be part of a music ministry, don't they sound amazing? Can we give God a hand of praise for the music ministry and their hard work? But let me tell you something. They don't just show up on Sunday morning and say, hey, we're going to just do this and it's going to be amazing. That is crazy. That's not the way it happens. They don't just show up to rehearsal and make it, and if they do, they're in the flesh. <laughs> Hello? That's a little side joke for the music ministry, right? You don't come to rehearsal to learn songs. You come to do songs together, amen, right? But ultimately, the point is, you're going to teach, you're going to preach, you're going to minister. Listen, you are going to have to be a person who's And let me tell you something. You think ushering and security and all that stuff is easy? Listen, you need to be just as prayed up as anybody else. You need to be just as spiritual as anyone else. You need to come prepared for whatever it is that you're going to be doing. It requires hard work and devotion. But love moves us towards other people. The Apostle Paul was moved towards these people that he loved. And see, when we look at Paul's example, you know what we understand? We understand he gave us the example of, of a loving mother, of a, of a, of a, of a father who was, who was encouraging. Last week we looked at those scriptures. And you know what he does? He points out to them the love he has. And you know why that is important for us? It's because any parent in here can attest to this. And anyone who's ever been a child, and that's all of you, can attest to this reality. That parents want your siblings to care the same way that they care for you. Are you getting that? In other words, you know, when you have kids that are fighting all the time, you're like, that's your brother. Stop fighting with him. What they want is for you to be concerned and to care for them. And it's the same thing that the Apostle Paul wants and the same thing that I want is that we care one for another. The second thing, I ask you to repeat this after me. Say, love must cause us to care about the faith of others. Now, the first thing, love must move us towards other people despite opposition, right? Despite difficulty. Like when you're there in a store and you know the Spirit of God is saying, go speak to that person. There's some opposition that's there. You need to move beyond the opposition and move toward that person. When there's that person at work that you know needs to hear the Word of God, you need to move beyond that place. You need to do that. And let me tell you the key. The key is being a person that's in prayer with God so that way you're empowered when you come out of prayer to move and speak for God. Are you here? But the second thing is that love must cause us to care about the faith of others. So the next thing we find in, in chapter 3, look at chapter 3 and we read verses 1 through 5. Look what Paul says. He says, therefore, when we could no longer endure it, we thought it good to be left in Athens alone. And so now they're, they're, they're by themselves in Athens, right? Him and Silas probably. And so... They're in Athens, and they sent Timothy, <clears throat> their brother, a minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to establish it. Look what he says. We sent him. There was three things that he was doing. One of them was to establish you and encourage your faith that no one should be shaken by these afflictions, for you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. For in fact, we, we told you before when we were with you that we would suffer tribulation just as it happened. And you, know the, and you know for this reason, when I could no longer endure it, I sent to know your faith. So the first thing was to encourage or, or establish. The second thing was to encourage your faith. And the third thing was to find out about your faith. To know about your faith. You see, what I, what, what I want you to realize is that we, when we love, when we're compelled by love, we should care about the faith of others. We should care about the well-being spiritually of others. Why is that so important to us? Because when our hearts are truly compelled by the love of God, we will care about the growing faith of others for we realize the enemy who is trying to hinder us from making disciple makers is tempting the disciples who are being made. Are you here? 
See, the same God or the same enemy who is opposing us, who is trying to get us so caught up. I love Cheryl's prayer this morning and, and, and as we were praying. And one part of it, you know, she was talking to the Lord and she was talking about, you know, God, sometimes we're so overwhelmed with our own lives that we can't even think about being vessels for you outside of whatever it is that we're facing. But can I tell you something? God wants us to move outside of ourselves. That's the big idea, right? Love moves us beyond ourselves. Love moves us into the lives of others. And love causes us to care about the faith of others. You see, what, this is what I want you to understand. Faith that saves you is also a faith that should sanctify you. Are you here? Faith that's, right, you know, you know, Pastor Chad talked about, you know, when you put your faith in Christ when he was doing communion, you put your faith in Christ and your sins are dealt with. Amen to that. But can I tell you something? Your sins that were dealt with on the cross, those same sins should not be evident in your life continuing forward. Are you here? There should be a sanctification that is taking place. And when I care about someone who is in the faith, I need to care about their faith. I need to care their faith is growing. I need to care about where they are. Paul wanted to make sure that their faith was established. He wanted, he wanted to make sure that they were solid in the gospel. Again, that's why we go through the gospel weekly here. That's why we do communion weekly. The gospel picture that is before us, our faith, listen to me, our faith is in Christ and in Christ alone. Are you here? That's where our faith is. It's not in my works, not in your works, it's not in how good you think you are, it's not in how you measure yourself. No, 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 those are demonstrations of your faith and show you where you need to grow. But our faith is in Jesus. Our faith is in Christ. And that has to be what our passion is, is to see people's faith be built upon that solid rock of who Jesus is. You see, we realize when I, when I look at the scripture in the beginning and we talked about Satan hindering, when we looked at Satan hindering the apostle Paul moving forward to do what it was that he was called to do, we need to, we, we need to recognize that that same enemy is coming after the life of every person we're trying to disciple. Are you getting that? Listen, if you're committed, and, and hear, hear me, everybody in this room, if you call yourself a Christian, please hear me. If you don't hear anything else that I said this whole time, listen to this. If you call yourself a Christian, you need to ask yourself a question. Who else are you helping grow in their faith? If you are not helping someone grow in their faith, then I have to say, you're falling short of what God calls you to do as a Christian. We're called to be disciple makers. We're called to be those who are helping people grow. And listen, first and foremost, there's no question about this. My family, I should be helping them grow in their faith. Amen? But you know what? Even if you think that that's the end of the ministry, you want to know what Paul tells Timothy? He tells Timothy for the older women to teach the younger women. He's not talking about their daughters. He's talking about the younger women in the church. Do you know what that tells me? At minimum, right, for moms, you know, they've got a lot of moms in here. For those moms that are there and you're making disciples in your home, amen, glory to God, keep doing that. But don't forget about your other sisters that need help to grow in Christ because that is part of your call. For the men in the church, the men in the church, we should for sure be leading. Listen, I, you know, guys, you need to know this, and for, and, and for anyone who doesn't know this, the men of this church are extremely important. You guys are not just the ones that come and give up, show up, and shut up. You guys are not those guys. Hello. And that's how a lot of time men think that they are. They want, we want you to show up. We want you to give up, give up some money, and want you to shut up. Don't say anything about anything. That's not this church. One of the things that I, that, that, that I desire is to see men growing in their faith and men helping their children grow in their faith and men helping other men grow in their faith. That is huge to me. You, you guys, men, don't realize how important you are to your families, how important you are to the church, and how important you are to the culture. <clears throat> The enemy has worked overtime to get you to be quiet. The enemy has, got, has worked overtime. I mean, you think about it. The, the narrative that's there, you know, men just provide. That's all they do. They provide, they come home, and they go into their cave somewhere. Hello. Or a backyard, whatever it is, whatever your place of, you know, refuge is. <clears throat> that, that, that's what the enemy wants you to think. Like, you have no opinion. Listen, you are God's chosen vessel to lead. Hello, somebody. 
You are God's man who has been called to lead. God has given you grace and given you a command to be a leader in your home, to be a leader in this culture, to be a leader in the body of Christ. Husbands, listen to me. We can't, we, we can't relinquish those rights to our wives, no matter how amazing they are. We have to lead, amen? We have to walk in leadership the way that God has called us to. And we need to recognize that there are men, uh, th- there are people, not just men, there are people that God is calling us to make disciples of. He's calling us to raise them up. He's calling us to lead them. And what are we doing? What are we doing? I pray that you'll repent and that you'll say, God, use me to be a disciple maker. The third thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, love will bring rejoicing to our hearts as others grow in their faith. And so the first thing that I said is that love moves us towards others despite opposition. The second thing is that we will be concerned that we will care about the faith of others. But the third thing that's so important, is that we will rejoice when we see others grow in their faith. That, 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 that will be something that moves our hearts. Let's read these last, these last few verses here, verse 6 through 10. Paul says this. He says, but, but, now, but now that Timothy has come to us from you and brought us good news of your faith and love and that you always have good remembrance of us, greatly desiring to see us as we also to see you, therefore, brethren, in all our affliction and distress, we, comforted, concern, we are comforted concerning you by your faith. For now we live, look, I love that verse. For now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. For what thanks can we render to God for you for all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before our God, night and day, praying exceedingly that we may see your face and perfect what is lacking in your faith. Did you hear the word faith over and over and over again? A huge emphasis here that the Apostle Paul has. He is concerned about their faith. Sends Timothy to them to establish them, to encourage them, and to inquire about their faith. And when Timothy comes back to them, he says, man, we are rejoicing because your guy's faith is solid. Because your faith is growing. Because you are, you are developing as disciples. That was Paul's heart. Paul was stirred by that. Can I ask you a question? Do you even care when you see somebody growing in their faith? Does that, mo- I mean, does that move you? Like when you see somebody who walks in these doors, who doesn't know Jesus, asking questions, does that motivate you or do you just want to go home? Hello. You know, when you go into your connect life groups and you have those times there and someone who is younger in the faith or someone who is more immature or, or someone who is just not knowledgeable, they have questions, right? You know, I know how it is. You know, you're sitting down there in that circle like, okay, man, stop asking questions. Hello, it's time to go. And I understand we all got schedules. I, I get it. We all have situations and stuff like that. But my question is, is there that rejoicing? Because you know what Paul says? Look at that. I love this verse 8. Verse 8 is, I mean, it stands out glaring to me. For now we live. He's literally saying, like, my life. Hear this. Hear the heart of someone who cares about others. My life. Now we live. If you stand firm. Are you hearing that? Now we live. You know, for, for, for our kids, I mean, I know it's, it's real easy to really want our kids to walk with Jesus. How many parents want their kids to walk with Jesus, right? Right? We all want our kids to serve Christ. We all want our kids to walk with the Lord, right? But can, I, but, 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 but can I push you a little bit? How many of you care about the one sitting beside you outside of your kids, about them growing in their faith? How, how, how many of you are praying for your brothers to grow in their faith? How many of you are, are like, God, what can I do to help my brother grow in their faith, my sister grow in their faith? What can I do? Or are you just over them? Listen, Paul... He's saying, look, we live. We're encouraged. Listen, we can keep going through these trials. We can keep going through these tribulations because you guys are walking in the faith. See, and, and what, what, what I realize is this, and, and in closing, here's, here's what I want you to get, is that he says night and day, verse 10, night and day praying exceedingly that we may see your face. And look what he says. And perfect what is lacking in your faith. See, here's the thing that we all got to realize is that the calling is never completed. Perfection is to be pursued for sure. But you know what? What we need to realize is that every one of us 
is a work in progress. None of us has arrived at the place of perfection. And Paul tells this model church, says, listen, I long to see you so I can perfect that thing that's lacking. And so for us, the big thing that we see is that, look, you know, love should move us into the lives of other people. We should be those kind of people that are moved. And so are we compelled by God to be disciple makers? That's my question for you today. Are we compelled by God to be disciple makers? And here's what I believe is, is, is the key to this. The key to this is what is the motivation and the foundation of our faith? That's the, that's the question. What is the key? What is the foundation? What is the motivation for our faith? See, because here's what happens to us as we grow. This is a sad reality. You know, when we first come to Jesus, like, we want to, I don't know about you, but the reason why I stand here today is because I remember, like, 23, 24 years ago, something like that, a night when I encountered Almighty God, and he changed my life forever. And I remember that day, and whenever I want to quit on God, I remember how he encountered me. And I have a solid foundation. It is not just based upon a night when I wept tears, but it's after I come to the understanding that that night, you know, you know why that night that I wept tears means so much? It's not just because God opened my eyes, but it's because as I've studied more, as I've grown in my faith, I have come to understand, man, he encountered a horrible person who hated him. He loved someone who was unlovable. That's what the gospel says about every one of us in here. He loves those that are unlovable. He loves those who don't love him. He cares for those who could care less about him. He draws us to himself while we're kicking, screaming, cursing, biting, acting a fool. He draws us to himself and he shows us his amazing love. And he reminds it of and he reminds it reminds us of it continuously throughout the scriptures and what he has done for us. And so for me, our biggest thing church is that we have to make sure that our desire is to build people's faith in Christ and Christ alone. And so my question is, where is your faith at? I'm going to invite Anthony and the music team to come up here. Ask them to come and do this, and do this song. And I want us to, to worship. This, this, this has got to be one of my favorite songs that we, that I, we, I don't even think we've ever sung it here. I actually heard this song. The first time that I heard it was at Anthony's house. And they, they invited a, um, some people over there, and we were there sitting in a big circle. And he put a song list together, and he started to do this song. And ever since I heard it, it's always stuck with me. And the, the song is entitled Cornerstone. And it's talking about Christ being our cornerstone. And so as we sing this song, I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet, please. I'm going to invite you to just pour your heart and worship before the Lord today. And listen, I, I don't know where you're at, but if you need prayer, I'm going to invite the leaders to just come up here. If They'll just come up to the front with me, and they can just stand up here. Um, if you need prayer today as, at any time that you sense God in a, in, in a special way doing something in your heart, I just want to open up the altar for you to come forward and receive prayer. Just let's, let's worship him together. is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. Let's sing that again. My hope is built. is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest way, but only trust in Jesus'
Upon the one who gives us the strength to be everything. 